Welcome to the Firearms Trainer Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I'm your host, Rob Beckman, and today we'll be talking about martial arts that involve firearms. We bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearm Trainers Association. Head on over to their website at ftaprotect.com to learn more about their instructor coverage they offer and their competitive pricing. Receive a special 10% off in your policy by entering promo code FTP10 at checkout. This episode is brought to you by the Concealed Carry Gun Tools app. The best resource for any firearm instructor and their students is also free. Available for both Apple and Android devices. Search your app store for Concealed Carry Gun Tools today and download this free app. Find maps, gun businesses near you, legal summaries, articles, videos, training logs in this podcast. Don't miss a beat on the industry. Download the app today. Today, we're joined by Norm Hood. Welcome, Norm. How are things going for you today? Oh, they're great. Thank you. Great. We really appreciate you taking time today to share your knowledge with our uh, listeners. But for our listeners that don't know who Norm Hood is, can you give us a little bit of your background and what brings you here today? Sure. I uh, spent 24 years in the Army, most of it as a military policeman, uh, until I actually promoted myself out of a job, so to speak. Uh, retired from the Army in Alaska, spent 30 years there, went right to work for the Alaska State Troopers, and uh, spent six years with the Troopers. And uh, my wife and I decided that it was, my mom was getting elderly, and so we actually left Alaska and took care of mom for a year and a half, and then moved back to Alaska. Um, did four years, four and a half years of government contract security work, and uh, the whole time I was on the, uh, teaching on the side, teaching for a fellow who shop in Anchorage. And um, so working with the Anchorage Police Department, uh, the, the, the uh, Citizens Police Academy and that, 2011, we moved here in the South Bend area. And uh, my wife and I started our business, Defensive Solutions, and started with teaching pistol classes. And uh, it just, it has grown from there. Now we're uh, working with, actually, I've I have worked with, uh, my wife and I have worked with 23 different uh, organizations, mostly faith-based properties, in helping establish uh, safety teams. I started doing hojutsu uh, in 2010 when I was still in Alaska. I knew our founder, Soke Jeff Hall. Uh, he's a retired lieutenant from the Alaska State Troopers. So I knew of him and I knew of the program. And uh, moving here gave me the opportunity and being retired twice gave me the opportunity to really start focusing on, on the art of hojutsu, which translated means fire art school. So I've established a dojo here in the South Bend area, and uh, I'm a fourth degree black belt in hojutsu now, and working with uh, school heads in Illinois, Cincinnati, and Missouri and Kentucky. Very cool. Uh that is uh, quite quite a uh, repertoire of experience that you have there, and I'm glad to have you down here in the lower 48s um, because obviously if you're up there in Alaska, wouldn't see you very much. That's true. <laughs> and it's probably a little warmer down here too, right? You know, it's my wife and I joke about that because it's damper here in the winter time. I think we're colder here than most of the winter days up in Alaska because it's mm-hmm. so well, dry up there. Yeah, it probably stays stays cold up there, so you eventually get used to it anyway. So it's not down here to where one day's sixty and then, and then the next day is uh, twenty degrees out. 
That's where you, Very true. everybody gets sick from it and everybody, uh, you know, en- ends up uh, not knowing what to wear from day to day or how right. to drive. The driving's horrible down here, I would, I would have to admit. So, hey, you talk, start talking about hujitsu, which is the uh, martial arts of firearm or, um, or as you, you would say, it's to go along and give you a repertoire of skills, not just firearms, but uh, non-lethal as well as lethal uh, skills to use dur- during a, a violent encounter. That's, that's correct. Yeah. Hojutsu started uh, a little over 20 years ago. And instead of thinking it as a martial art, think of it more as a integrated fighting system. And how it came about was Soke Hall, Jeff Hall, uh, had been a longtime shooter, longtime martial artist, and longtime police officer and army vet. He actually blended the arts, the, 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 all of the training together into and created a martial art. And we call him the founder because firearms were part of martial arts way back in the 1500s. And it kind of died out. And so he has really resurrected, his title is founder, but he's really resurrected the firearms into martial arts. And we have a colored belt system like you have with martial arts. We uh, have a gi. We train a lot in our dojos, but the majority of the art is is about eighty or more percent firearms related. For instance, our kata, the first kata you learn, are the first four movements of the kata. And again, a kata is nothing more than a series of choreographed moves as to how a fight could go. And the first four moves is, is a presentation to the front, down to guard, scan right, left, rear, recover to your holster. Second move is a threat to your left. So you turn and you present a pistol to guard and scan. Third move is a, is a threat to the right. Fourth move is a threat to the rear. And then we get into some techniques, some blocking techniques, some punches, uh, some kicks, primarily blocks. And built into the kata uh, out of need is our two weapon retention techniques. When I teach a pistol class, I'd love to be able to have five days with people and teach them some weapon retention techniques. If you're going to carry a pistol, you ought to learn how to maintain control of it. Um, the kata does that. And then there's a weapon uh, takeaway technique also built into the kata. It covers a lot of things. When we practice our kata, at least here, and I know some of the other schools do this too, is We'll stop and we'll say, okay, what if it doesn't go like this? This is how this technique might work in another, another, uh, 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 another environment, another move. Your, your threat does something else. And the big thing is awareness and then avoidance. And we build that into our training also. If we don't have to use lethal force, that's a good thing. That is, that is a good day for sure. I, I got a question for you, Norm. Yes, sir. Um, Go along. We hear hear about this. Um, do you have any uh, numbers or anything to back up as far as where Hujitsu graduates have been in firefights and how they've uh, fared when it comes to you know uh, fighting through it and coming sure. out on top? Exactly. Uh, as as last count, I believe we've had twenty three or twenty four uh, people involved in in gunfights, and of those involved, the majority were were pistol. And our hit rate for a hojutsu student 
using their pistol in a gunfight is, I believe, 99.8%. Every encounter with a pistol has been successful. And so we have very few misses. Mm-hmm. And if you compare that to local law enforcement, and I've, I've been there, done that with the law enforcement, um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of stress that goes on with the job. But the hit rate, um, and, and again, the art is focused on, on firearms. And law enforcement, there are just a lot of other skills they have to learn and mm-hmm. maintain. Well, I think it also, you know, the martial arts, you're also training your, your mind. At the same that time, you're, you're tr- training physically to be able to go along and take away a gun or retain a gun. You're also training the mind to go along and say, what would I do? You know, after I block his takeaway, what am I going to do? Or how, you know, how am I going to go along and present a gun in this position compared to that position? Uh, I think that, that's, a, that's a big benefit to it also. That's, that's exactly right. As well as uh, with the Mars, you know, there's protocols there. There's, there's, there's respect. There's all the things that go along with the, with the Oriental martial arts. And, and, and you're exactly right. We'll spend time with, okay, this technique works, but then you do something else. It didn't work. You find yourself on your back. What do you do now? And, and so we, we experiment a lot, if you will, in the dojo, we do a fair amount of fighting drills that are not part of our actual tests. When we hit the range, and we'll do a lot of these. You get knocked on your back. Can you draw your pistol safely without shooting yourself? There's techniques for that. Can you fight your way back up to a standing position? Can you fight your way to cover? Um, so all of those techniques get get built into the training. Well, that, that is really really neat because it it really puts you more in a in a holistic approach than uh, just knowing how to draw a pistol and be able to shoot a bullseye. Correct. Correct. What are the uh, what are the different belt colors for people that, that are listening and are not familiar with martial art belt colors? Well, it starts as a white belt, which is traditional. Uh, goes to yellow, uh, yellow, green, orange. There's, uh, uh, let's see, there's three levels of brown belt. Uh, so you have third degree, second degree, first degree. There's 10 levels and they call them Q, the 10 Q. And what's interesting about our system is you come to us as a shooter, but not a martial artist. And so uh, when you look at the student guide, the student guide lists the criteria for promotion in all the different Q levels. So you start with us as a white belt, and let's say you've been shooting for the last 20 years, and you're a really good shooter, but you don't understand or you don't have the martial arts skills background, the fighting background, defensive tactics background, anything like that. So we'll focus on those, on those, martial, art, on those martial arts skills. And then instead of making everybody take, you know, one belt, next, next, next level, next level, next level, next level, the, 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 stu- the school head, uh, myself, I would place you where you fit within the system right now. So we reward you for the skills you bring to the art. And the same would hold true if you were a martial artist coming in, you would have to develop the pistol skills. So uh, you know, you come into the system and you're a white belt, you train four or five months or whatever the case may be, depending on, on how much time you have to train. And then you might find yourself as, as a green belt. Um, and, and, you know, midway in the system, midway in the, in the 10 Q. And, uh, like for my students, I'll, I'll bring them into the system and I'll challenge them. 
I have some new students right now and our seminar is in July, mid-July. And so I will challenge them. I will place them where they have to work at maintaining their skills. And I find that works really well, at least with in my school. Well, that's, that's good. That's uh, great to go along and keep those students engaged and keep uh, people building skills and such. Uh, um, you were talking about before that it's this is mainly a pistol skill. Are there other firearms or other skills that you train as you move up? There certainly are. The whole idea behind hojutsu is to is to make someone skilled so they can fight from their back to 500 yards. And so you start with a pistol and you learn the basic kata, which are fundamental moves uh, with your hands and feet. And as you progress through the system, the next, the next weapon system you would pick up would be uh, a kata fighting with a cane and with a shotgun. Uh, next level would be fighting with, you, of course, you're still working your proficiency with your pistol because your black belt promotions, uh, you know, the, what's different about, uh, about hojutsu is that you actually have to shoot a test. And you, so you get a pass or a fail, you get a percentage. And so to get your black belt, you have to shoot 90% on your tests and be proficient in the kata. So as you, um, you get your black belt, your first degree black belt, and you are now working, you're continuing to work your pistol skills, you're continuing to work your kata, now you're working the cane, now you're working a shotgun. And there's a qualification for the shotgun. And maybe the next year you'll shoot your pistol again. And for promotion again, you have to shoot 95%. So here's the objectivity of the art. Um, you shoot the scores or you don't. And uh, you can be promoted there. After that, the next, the third kata is a kata with a folding knife and the carbine or rifle. And once you master those, then you come back and actually have to run a revolver and shoot a revolver and shoot 90% on your tests. Then after that, it's, it's a, a rifle, long range rifle and, uh, and submachine guns. So by the time you've gone through the whole system or spent some time, you fired a lot of weapons. You become proficient at a lot of different skills with firearms. So if you're a fourth degree black belt, you're pretty much of a, uh, of a badass. In other words, you're saying I can shoot pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would say if you've got pistol, rifle, shotgun, carbine, knife, cane, revolver, you know, long range and machine guns underway. I mean, sort of uh, artillery. I think you've pretty well got things covered there. Pretty much. Yeah. Bazooka would be nice, but <laughs> it's, it's hard to carry one on, on in your, on your belt. It certainly is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, that's, uh, that, that's really neat because one of the things where we've always talked about on this, on this podcast is keeping people engaged, learning ourselves. And this definitely goes to show that you can have a training program to where you can, you can be recognized for, you know, what you do know in, in pistols, but also be challenge yourself in getting better, better accuracy, go along and having, you know, more and more, uh, knowledge in different firearm systems as well as less than lethal uh you know keen knives all those types of things uh might be what you can take into a non-permissive environment but at the same time you know know how to proficiently use it in case something gets gets out of hand and those are all um you know really good skills to have well and i would much rather use you know i'd rather avoid something altogether but if if i can use a a non-lethal skill and create space for myself and get away. Uh, I, that's a win in my book. 
Mm -hmm. Yep. See, seeing another day is, is the reason why we, we train the way we train. That, that is, is correct. Sure. Yeah. I got a question for you, Norm. Uh, you were talking about, so okay, uh, Jeff Hall and such where, how many places around the country can you get this kind of training at? Soke Hall's in Washington state. Uh, so there's obviously is training there. There's uh, a dojo in Colorado, California. Uh, there's training in Las Vegas. There's New Mexico, Georgia. Uh, like I said, we just started a, a uh, dojo down in Texas, um, Ohio, uh, Indiana, Illinois, Missouri, New Jersey, and I think that's all the places. So and there's if, a lot of places people can, can pick up this training at. It's not just, you know, they got to be in South Bend, Indiana in order to come to your dojo. That is correct. And, and a lot of us are in a position where we can travel. And for instance, if someone wanted training, uh, you know, I'll, I'll drive to wherever we need to go. And we, we do everything we can to keep it as reasonable as possible because when you start integrating firearms into a martial art, it becomes expensive. So mm -hmm. we try and keep the costs down. But if someone wanted a, you know, if they could put 10 people together and wanted to uh, have a hojutsu dojo in their area, uh, we could put something together and we could go there and we could help them get started. Um, that's my job now, the operations guy for hojutsu. So if someone was looking for information or if someone was looking for, gee, where's the next school? Um, it's really my job to help direct them. Well, that's uh, really, really cool to be able to do it. So even if I'm in the middle of uh, Arkansas, I could get a hold of you and, you know, potentially either you or some, somebody else could uh, come down there and help me establish a dojo or at least uh, bring the training to us. And, uh, you know, I could start, start on my journey here. Exactly. Exactly. That's neat. And hopefully at the end of this, some of our listeners will take advantage of it and reach out to you and, and see about either attending one of your classes or ha inviting you down to their ranges to uh, be able to go along. What do you require if you're going to come? I mean, obviously you need something a little bit more than a, than a uh, fire or a range in order to uh, shoot at. Well, we need a place that we can train and it doesn't have to be a formal dojo. A dojo is just the place where we train. So it could be a gymnasium. It could be um, we we were exploring the possibility of going to Florida, and one of the the fellows said, "Well, I don't have access to a dojo, and but there's a, a huge big picnic area that we could move the the picnic tables out, and we aren't throwing people onto the ground, so we could train there. Um, we will train. Uh, we'll go on the range and train our, train our, our our kata skills even because. In a dojo is a great place to learn, and the floor is nice, and it's smooth, and it's generally warm, and all that warm and dry. But that may not be where we have to fight. So, quite often when we do our seminars, we will stop and we'll perform the kata on the range, and we just obviously won't shoot. So, we'll uh, we'll try and go anywhere we can, any place that we can have a range. We need to have at least 25 yards because we do shoot out to 25 yards. Um, our tests take us actually shooting to 50 yards with a pistol, but we'll make do. Um, mm -hmm. For instance, in Ohio, when we go down there, we shoot at, at, uh, at one of the indoor facilities. 
and 25 yards is as far as we can go for a good share of our shooting. Then we go outdoors and we're able to shoot a little bit farther distances, but um, we will adjust as necessary because we think it's important that people become exposed to this type of training. Yeah, it's definitely a uh, different type of training that most people are used to when they're used to, you know, just going to a class where they get taught on the weekend and you leave it. You've got a few more skills. You go to the range and test those out from time to time where this becomes more of a, a lifestyle. It sounds like as a martial arts. That's correct. That's correct. Well, that's uh, really cool. And hopefully our listeners get a little bit out of this to sit, uh, our conversations. But hey, Norm, I got a quick question for you. And been asking all our guests this this year, but what kind of books are you reading these days? Um, I'm a big fan of Dave Grossman. And uh, Dave Grossman has uh, a book called The Bulletproof Marriage. And as a Christian, it's I've been reading that. Uh, it's more of a devotional. I know he has a new book coming out that um, works in concert with his book on combat. Um, I spend a lot of time studying the past gunfights, for lack of a better word, like the, the 1986 Miami shootout with the FBI. Um, and so I study those things and then I bring those, that information into my students and we'll, instead of, instead of working in the dojo one day, well, I'll do a presentation. Um, I'm reading the lost behind series, uh, or excuse me, the left behind series. I've, I have all of the old books. And when I say old books, um, uh, the old gunfighters, if you will, when I say old, you know, in the fifties and the sixties and seventy, Cooper's books, uh, I'll go back and periodically read them. Uh, there's just a lot of information, um, that can be gleaned from that. And, you know, it's old and it, we still use it because it still works. Mm -hmm. Yep. It, the guns might've changed and we might have had different ammunition, but guess what? You still got a person there and you still have to fight through all those mental and physical challenges when it comes to all those violent encounters. Exactly. And uh, Clint Smith has a new book out, Urban Rifle 2, which I just finished. Um, and it's it gets you really thinking about the rifle. So it's a great it's a great source for that. Um, Ed Lovett and Dave Spaulding uh, did a book. And the name of it escapes me right now, but it was a great book on awareness and, and uh, pistol skills. So that's what I'm reading a, a lot, a lot of all together. <laughs> Neat. Well, that's good. And, you know, we do that to give our listeners a little bit of idea of maybe some different topics they should be thinking about. You know, you're the first one to talk about you know, bulletproof marriage and, you know, go along and, you know, working on that because obviously that's a personal relationship of ours and, you know, part of our family and working at it. It's probably just, we need to work at it just as much as we work on any other skills to make sure that we're as good as a, a partner as we can be in a marriage. So that's, that's good. Good, good variety sure. of books there. For uh, sure. Well, hey, Norm, I know you've talked a whole lot about jujitsu and such, but where can people find more information about you, your class schedule, jujitsu, all those type of uh, questions if they uh, want to get in contact with you? The easiest thing is we have a website and it's defensivesolutionsllc.com. That will take you to our webpage, my email address, and I really like to start up a dialogue with someone is again defensive solutions.sb 
at gmail.com. That can get to me. If they want information about Hojutsu in general or more about Jeff Hall, our founder, it's uh, either hojutsu.com or Jeff's business is forceoptions.net. So either of those sources. Uh, and like I say, if someone wants information about starting a school uh, or getting us to come to an area, when I say us, generally, um, if it's like on the West Coast, uh, Soke Hall would probably take one of his other black belts. And if it's on the East Coast, uh, he would fly and I would drive. And so we would come down and, and both help start a program. And if someone's looking for just a day of training, uh, if it's reasonable driving distance from South Bend, Indiana, I'd be glad to drive. Oh, that sounds good. Great, inf- great information there for our listeners. And that will be in our show notes again. So, and thanks again for your time today on the, on this episode. My pleasure. Thanks for the invite. Well, that's a wrap for this episode. We have a few requests for our loyal listeners. Go out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever. Like us, rate us, um, let people know about our podcast. Make sure they know the useful information that we post out there every single week on it. If you have ideas on episodes, people that we should be talking to, questions that you want to answer or feedback on our different guests, feel free to email us at FTP at concealedcarry.com. We also want to ask you, go out and visit our sponsors, especially the Fireman Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance. Remember, being a responsible insurance instructor means having insurance coverage. And remember to use promo code FTP10 for 10% off a checkout. We bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Get out train and stay safe everyone concealed carry inc and concealed strives to share helpful information and education about gun related topics training tips and other things that may potentially have legal implications for its listeners the information contained in this podcast is intended in good faith but it is important to understand that laws vary from place to place and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand laws that apply to them nothing in this podcast should be misconstrued as legal advice or counsel